from hrgrapevine.com. It is the HR Grapevine podcast. Hi there, everyone. Eric Niewarowski, host of the pod. Thank you for joining me this week. And if this is your first time listening to the HR Grapevine podcast, I'm thrilled to have you. Thanks for listening. So this week, I want to talk about trans rights in the workplace. And some of you might be saying, oh, Eric, why? We just wrapped up Pride Month. We can we can stop talking about this now, right? Sadly, that, that really shouldn't be the case. While the month of June is a wonderful month to celebrate and support our LGBTQ plus friends and family and colleagues, there's another 11 months out of the year and there's a lot of research out there that is saying that our transgender colleagues need more support from HR and from their colleagues. So to help me understand this a bit more, I'm thrilled to be joined by Joanne Lockwood. She is an inclusion and belonging specialist. And we're gonna talk about what more HR can do to support our trans colleagues. We're gonna discuss what transphobia looks like when it comes to recruiting if workplaces are actually more inclusive than the rest of society, and some tips for SMEs to start supporting trans colleagues through their own HR policies. It was a very insightful and enlightening conversation with Joanne. I sure got a lot from it, and I hope you do too. Here it is. Yes, hello. Uh, my name is Joanne Lockwood. I use the pronouns she and her. I describe myself as an inclusion and belonging specialist. So I work with organisations throughout the UK, Europe and elsewhere, working with their people people to create positive people experiences where uh, everybody can thrive. And also, in addition to that, I provide support to trans and non-binary people by through education into organizations and policy development uh, in H with HR teams to create, again, positive experience for trans people. Um, I identify myself as a, a transgender woman and I transitioned back in 2017, five, five odd years ago, and I'm happily married with a wife and two amazing children. All right, so I just kind of want to get right into this with you. I, I, I do apologize for this sort of tough first question on this podcast, but here in the UK and especially in the US, there is a shocking regression in trans rights. And I guess I would just want to kick off this chat with why do you think that is? You're right. There is, there has been a regression. I look back when I first transitioned to 2016, 2017, it felt quite safe back then. And that's what, five years ago. I, I, mm -hmm. I don't think I would have necessarily been embracing my own transition as much had I been you know, thinking about today. I don't know the specific cause, but maybe we have to look at the rise of populism in government, wedge issues, um, right-leaning organisations, religion, a whole load of different sort of aspects. And I think I can't blame the US for everything, but I do think the previous administration in the US gave permission and voice to a lot of these... Um, uh, views where religion kicked in, uh, family values, traditional role of men and women kicked in. And I think mixing that together with vote winning and, and certain states in, this, in the middle of America, not maybe the fringes of America, mm -hmm. uh, became very mobilized against maybe the, the Obama administration and some of the more liberal and sort of uh, centrist views. I think right. there's this big pushback. 
And I think in the UK around 2018, we had uh, our Theresa May government uh, looked at reforming the Gender Recognition Act of 2004. And I think that stood up a hornet's nest here as well that created a foothold for maybe some of those views from across the Atlantic to take hold as well and get amplified. And since then, we see a lot of these kind of the mini wedges coming in. So trans people in sport, trans youth. Um, we see the erasure of gay and lesbian people through conversion to trans people. We see all these mm-hmm. sort of statements. So I think a lot of this, I, I say, I, I don't have a specific answer where it, where the root of this is, but I would have to suspect a lot of it is coming from maybe the ultra extreme religious type of aspects from from maybe the US. But again, a personal opinion. I see this traveling around the English speaking world. So we, we, even in Ireland, where they have more progressive reforms of gender recognition out there, we're still seeing a lot of division between so there. Australia was, was a pretty pretty accepting country. Their previous administration, which had just been voted out, uh, was a bit right of centre. So they were using wedge issues. But even we see transphobic remarks going pushing into that community now, and even New Zealand. So we think of the major English speaking places around the world, we are seeing it. I don't know about Canada. Uh, the recent census in Canada seemed to indicate there was a growing acceptance of trans uh, uh, rights there. But certainly the US, the UK, and spreading across the world. So again, my my view is it has a religious kind of fundamental kind of view, family values, destroying what it means to be a, a woman. That seems to be the thing. Obviously, the same tropes we were applying with gay men back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, where we were a threat, we're seen as paedophiles, we're seen as uh, child abusers, all these kind of language. We have, we saw this about black people. Uh, we've seen this about everything. And now, now we've got, uh, in the UK, we have Section 28 in the 88 to 2000s, where we were banning education in schools. We're now seeing the Don't Say Gay uh, bill in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, banning the same sort of education. We've just seen... Uh, Roe versus Wade, is it being repealed by the Supreme Court judges? So we're seeing a lot of these things. And you know, people are talking now about repealing the right to same-sex marriage, yeah. which is, again, all these kind of things is rolling back uh, personal freedoms and, and putting it in the control of, of states. And the yeah. disadvantage of that is that each state is very politically aligned into their, their motivation out there. And so it's I think inevitably it's going to lead to erosion of freedoms. And even if it doesn't, it creates this toxic environment where people have to breathe this in every day, and I think that's yeah. the that's 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 the output of this, this 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 what's going on is we have to breathe this, and we're getting polluted by it. The mental health being impacted, mm-hmm. and I think that then bleeds into families, it bleeds into the workplace, it bleeds into every part of society, where everyone's kind of going, I'm, "Well, you're, you're a bit of an issue." Maybe maybe it's, 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 it's a struggle. So we're having to live as an issue, if you like, rather than right. being fully embraced. So um, let's talk about recruitment. Uh, is transphobia impacting recruitment in any way? As we just as I've just been talking about this uh, this this atmosphere of transphobia in the world. You know, the Twitter, the Times, the Telegraph, our chair of the Equality and Human Rights Commission. We've had lots of lots of probing test cases where people are testing employment law around people's rights and views. The Maya Forstata case. She's allowed to think it. She's not allowed to express it, but that's been misinterpreted. There's a uh, push back into local government around creating single set spaces. There's a lot of this stuff going on in the background in, in the workplace, and of course that 
that that sort of signposts trans people as being problematic, right? Yeah, more friction. Um, if we if we employ someone who's trans, is that going to create an environment here where we've got to start thinking about what these issues are? They going to get angry with us? They going to sue us? Uh, is it is it going to lead to risk in, in employment tribunals? All these things. Whilst they're not maybe in the front of people's minds, it clowns their biases and their judgments in the back of their head. So I think yes, it is. You know, and I've I've seen, I've seen what I would call bias by proxy. I think you're a great job. I think you're amazing, but I can't put you into one of my customers or one of my clients because what will they think of me if I recommend you? So there's this some of this belief that trans inclusion, trans acceptance is still not there yet. You know, we're we're constantly being allowed to be debated about. So I think that is leaking into the recruitment phase. Yeah. But I think also we have to think about the difference between. Um, Larger organizations, smaller organizations. Yeah. I, I work with a number of multinational global organizations that have staff networks, pride networks, and they support their trans, non binary, gender queer, gender fluid uh, colleagues admirably well. They're looking at healthcare policies, they're, they're advocating, they're doing all the things they should be doing. I think there's a big difference between maybe the larger established DNI conscious organizations and maybe the smaller business. And mm-hmm. I think 60% of the UK population work for a small business of, of 10 or less, if you like. Right. Uh, and it's probably not on their radar. Inclusion, belonging, we still probably don't have equality of, of gender, of disability. Everyone's just making do and just hoping not, they don't get sued. So I think, yeah, it, larger organisations, I'd like to think the trajectory is positive. Small organisations, it's lagging, lagging way behind. And that that's where the differential applies. Do you think that the workplace is more trans inclusive than society. I mean, it's certainly it's certain from where we sit on when we write about trans rights within the workplace, it 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 seems so. I guess I'd like to know from your expert opinion as you consult with companies on this, do you think that's the case? I believe the the uh, the airtime I get in corporate organizations is is positive. Yeah, you know, I, I get invited in um it's, it's Pride Month. Every, everybody's doing lunch and learns. Everybody's doing trans awareness sessions. Mm-hmm. I see more push this year and probably last year around trans 101 type sessions than LGB, if you like, sessions. So people are kind of saying, well, we, we kind of got our Pride Network sorted. Now we need more trans awareness. So right. I see a lot more push this year and last year to, to become more trans knowledgeable because I guess, I guess people are seeing what's going on in society and they, they want to be allies. So I, I do see that going on. I always worry sometimes we end up in this echo chamber where the usual suspects come to the events. It's the people who aren't in the room that I want to talk to. Right. Um, we don't see them or we don't count them. We don't know who's there. We, I just see the hundred people who are there, not the 200 people that aren't there. Um, so I have this belief that the momentum is positive, that we're heading in that right direction. The, company, the companies support it. They're willing to stand up. They're advocating. Um, certainly in the City of London, a number of organisations have pulled out the uh, the Free to Be Me UK conference the government are putting on because of the the cutting of, 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 of trans people from the, the ban on, exclusion, on conversion therapy. That shows there is a momentum in it. And power. I think power is also a thing in there where staff networks are, are leading power into organisations and organisations are listening to their people. So there's a bit of empowerment there. So I, I think there is a, there is a, that momentum and that trajectory. But again, if we, we, we cut across sections of society, we go to the smaller business 
Uh, we'll see that. I think if we see different sectors, maybe more engineering based, we may see a different acceptance. So I I really hate to generalize, right? But I've got this I've got I've got this warm belief that the workplace the trajectory there is faster than that in society, and it's it's helping to influence society. But I I know I still know that many many trans people that are having a tough time in the workplace. That being misgendered, being disrespected by their colleagues, and being bullied out, and yeah. that's in a whole cross section of organisations, not just not just smaller businesses, but the bigger businesses as well. So I want to wrap it up here with this question. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about sort of in this chat about the uh, you know larger organisations. You know, headcount over five hundred thousand plus. It's much easier because they have the resources amongst their people to create those, you know, internal pride networks that they can then educate and you know just sort of do that outreach within the rest of the staff. But I want to talk about the SMEs. Okay. So how can an HR team at a smaller to medium-sized organization, how can they support their transgender colleagues? What would be the first thing to do? Uh, The first question I'd like you to ask yourself is what are we doing now? And is it enough? Uh, Do you have a policy, and, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of lots of policy, but do you have a, a, a guide for how people can transition to the workplace? Are your leaders, your managers, you know, even a small business, you'll have an owner, uh, executive team. Are they are they behind the the, um, the, the support of trans people? Uh, what are you doing with colleagues? Are you creating awareness programs, lunch and learns, signposting? Uh, your employee existence programs are they trans inclusive are you supporting making sure people are aware of them mental health first aid just making sure that people in the in the workplace are there to support people and maybe go through crisis uh, and being very visible and active I want I, I what I often say to people is I want to be, be, feel that I'm walk, walking down a trodden path. I don't want to be the first. If I believe that I'm the first person who's going to say to you, "Hi, I'm trans," I'm going to be really nervous about that because I don't know if I can trust you or not. So I want to feel that the organisation is going, "Hey, I, we don't believe any of you are trans, but we've got the policies here because we, we were not making assumptions. You may well be." And so yeah, I think it's it's creating this well trodden path and making sure that people are trained. If you're not doing it, if you haven't got anything in place already now, then now is the time. If it's not too late, uh, think about the message you're communicating to other staff by not having these great policies in place. You know, if how do you, how you treat the weakest people in society is, is is how you're judged, and I think how you treat the people who are most vulnerable in your workplace are people who are judged. And you don't know who's in the room. You don't know who is one step removed from a trans person their wife their partner their husband their child their best friend right. um every, everybody's got a gay friend and every gay friend's probably got a trans friend it's kind of we're, we're, there's, there's zero degrees of separation now so you can't in a workplace just say hang on a minute it's not our issue well it is and if you've got banter you've got um poor language going on then that is going to leak in and people are going to feel unsafe. And I think that that's what I would say. Look at the language that people are using. Look at the policies you've got. Look at the education and realize if you've not done something already, actually now is the point to start. Yeah. So if they don't, where do they start? Is that when they call up you? What are some other, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, like, like where are the resources yeah. to, to, to start off with that? There's, there's a website called transwiki.net and that, that lists most 
if not all LGBT type charities and organizations throughout the UK. I think that's a great place to start. Of course, look up me on LinkedIn. I provide training and, and support. Uh, every, every every town does have a, an LGBT kind of uh, focal point. Uh, if not your GP surgery, your, your NHS trust, CCGs, there'd be loads of places. I would have thought most councils, most, most local authorities will have some sort of signpost. Certainly they'll have employee networks mm-hmm. that they would have already investigated. So, And identifying that you need to take a step is actually the first step. It's, it's a good place to be. Well, once again, I'd just like to thank Joanne Lockwood, Inclusion and Belonging Specialist, for joining me on the podcast today and helping me put some more perspective and give me give me some more insights on what more needs to be done to support our trans colleagues at work. Like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, there are 12 months in the year. And one of those is dedicated for Pride Month, and that's great. But we need to support all of our LGBTQ plus colleagues throughout the year. And hopefully Joanne shared some insights that you can take back to your organization to do the same. So. That's it for this week's episode. My name is Eric Niewerowski. Thank you again for listening, and I will talk to you next week.